first give yourself a break and cut yourself some slack and then take a step forward. You know, we, we certainly don't have a lot of control over the things that are going on around us outside, but we do have control over what we do here inside. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Woolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. I'm your host, Stephen Toberoff. And today I have a guest that I think is going to bring enormous insight and value to any business that you're in, regardless if it's in the hospitality industry or any other industry. And particularly during the time that we're currently dealing with, where communication and marketing and getting your brand out there is uh, probably more vital than ever. So I'm really honored to have as my guest, Matt Wasserloff, who is the founder of Blockboard. And Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to come in here and talk with me today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Stephen. My pleasure. So Matt, if you wouldn't mind, please, can you just give us a little background about yourself and, and your involvement and how you've led up to the, uh, to the current state of founding Blockboard? Sure. So I, I've been, uh, for the past 20 years, in the online video or digital video advertising industry. It's an industry I'm very proud of. Uh, I was one of the original founders, or not founders, but pioneers in the space. And I had left a 10-year career in TV to get into this. So I really took a big leap of faith, believing that the world would pivot to streaming video. And indeed, it has. And uh, no more bigger and more important a time than the current pandemic that we're finding ourselves in. So I have, uh, I left TV, I worked at Warner Brothers and CBS, and then I saw the, I saw the world shifting and I started a company called BBE, which was the first video ad network. I ran uh, BBE from 2004 to 2010. I had sold the company to Specific Media, a digital media company. And then I saw, again, another pivot in the, me- in the industry, and that was from websites to mobile. And I built Torrential. I founded Torrential in 2012, and I built uh, a mobile video platform at Torrential that I ran until 2018 sold Torrential to ITN Networks, which is a TV company, and written just now over the last two years, founded Blockboard. And I'm excited about Blockboard because it's yet another streaming video platform, only this time it's built on blockchain. So I'm going to use blockchain to verify and validate how content and ads run across digital video. So that gives you a little bit of background. It's amazing. No, I appreciate that, Matt. And, you know, I have a question before we dive deep into some of the aspects of marketing and ads. We're at a, we're at a moment in time now where a lot of people are dealing with uh, economic uncertainty and there's a lot of change. Some of it is being forced upon people. Some of it's by choice. Can you 
tell me a little bit, because I'm always fascinated by entrepreneurs, particularly entrepreneurs that really take that leap of faith and leave something that is very secure and prestigious and go and do their own thing. And it's, it's such a powerful part of an entrepreneur's journey. And it's something I'm fascinated with. What was it like for you, the thought process, when you made the decision to leave television and go into the BBE endeavor in 2004? I mean, that, what was some of the inner dialogue you were dealing with as you made the transition from, okay, I'm going to leave this to go start my own thing? Yep. No, that's an excellent question, Stephen. I think about it all the time. And I, 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 I guess I was young enough without a family and a lot of uh, financial commitment to make a big pivot and change like that. I will say a lot of the older you know, people and my peers who had built careers in television were incredulous. Uh, and they asked me all the time, are you you know, are you sure? Are you crazy? Why would you leave? So it's it's a really good question. And the, I guess, you know, it, deep down in any entrepreneur is, you know, that, that hunger to, you know, push the envelope, uh, make change. You know, you have to have that strong inner faith and believe in something with that missionary zeal. And I, I saw the world changing back in, in the early 2000s, and uh, you, you saw a lot of headlines and a lot of big companies that were really building in digital. One person in particular that had a huge influence on me was Mark Cuban, who I, uh, he and I both went to Indiana University. I, I was not close with him, but I followed him very closely. And I saw the success he had building broadcast.com, which was all audio, by the way. And I knew there would be that similar sea change in video. So I believed in it. I was watching it closely and I made a big decision because I wanted to make a bet on myself. Uh, and that, that's, you know, what I feel is, you know, ingrained in us entrepreneurs. It's very powerful because it does require that courage. Let me ask you, Matt, because people have a lot of ideas, and, and I can't tell you how many people have come to me and told me, and you could pick any business that they thought of Uber before Uber, they thought of, you know, name a business. But what really separates a successful business and a successful endeavor from one that never gets off the ground to one that isn't is execution. In your journey with BBE, what was the pivot like then from focusing on, okay, now I, I, I see an opportunity here and I really believe in the opportunity and I'm going to pursue that. At what point would you say, if at any point, the challenge of execution took over more of the energy and time from you? And I ask that because there are so many people who are attracted to the restaurant industry because it's a very alluring industry. And what we're going through now is obviously a an unforeseen event, and it's a very substantial one. But during good times, people forget that there's going to be challenges coming. And during challenging times, people forget about the fact that there will be a period of good times ahead. So I know in the restaurant business, you know, people have a lot of interest in it, and people go into it, and they neglect to really focus on the execution or even understand the executional challenges. What was that aspect like for you, Matt, if you, if you know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, it's, it's critical. I, I mean, it's absolutely critical. I, I, I'll give you a quick anecdote, uh, and I'm hoping to manage the, our time here. But no, uh, I, I, it was early. I just started BBE, 
and I wasn't uh, making a ton of progress. It was taking some time. And I turned to a mentor of mine, Jim DePalma is his name. And I said, uh, he's older than me. He was, had a lot of experience. And I said, I think I need to go out and raise money. And he said, why would you do that? I said, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm not making a lot of traction. I'm not executing, to use your word, Stephen. And it looks like I'm going to need capital. He goes, Matt, he goes, can I ask you one question? I said, yes. He said, can you sell? And he knew full well, because I had worked for him at CBS. I was his seller. I said, yes, I could sell. He goes, go sell. You'll never need to raise money. And that was the best advice I had ever received in my life because I did not raise money. Rather, I went out and I took control over what I had control over, which was going out and making some sales and getting the company up and running and building its first revenues. And that carried my company for the next 10 years. So it's all about execution. And you have to know what you know, you have to know where your skills are, what you can do and what you can get some level of control over. We can't control everything, but it does come down to execution and you have to stay focused, execute and build from there. I really am uh, appreciating what you say about sales because during this particular moment in time, it's created an opportunity in one of my businesses to Wilco Foods. We deliver primarily to institutions and restaurants and hotels and caterers. And obviously that segment of the market has been profoundly impacted by what's going on uh, with the coronavirus. At the same time, it's presented an opportunity for us to pursue home delivery, which is an area of the supply chain and an area of logistics that's really not being served well, even by the behemoths in the space, Amazon, major supermarkets and what have you. And the reason why what you said about sales resonates so much with me is because I would say probably the biggest mistake I've made as CEO of Wolco was I spent so much time and energy focusing on the product offering and the service offerings of Wolco. And that's a wonderful thing to do. And we really execute on an extremely high level. I did not devote enough time and attention to to getting attention and to raising awareness of our product. So If people don't know about you, they can't buy from you. And this is kind of a derivative of sales. And now that we're launching this home delivery, I would say, because we've got the execution down and it's been taking off, you know, far faster than I would have anticipated, but I made the mental decision that I'm going to devote 80% of my time in this particular endeavor to driving attention, awareness, and sales. Because to quote Mark Cuban, he he said, uh, sales cures everything. And it's true. I, I often think about that. Whatever challenge a business is facing, it's almost, difficult, it's almost impossible not to envision a scenario where sales wouldn't solve that problem. So that's really a great answer. And it sort of lets me pivot to my next question, which is really sort of the meat of, of where I would really like to delve into your expertise is right now, people are on social media uh, more than ever, even heading into this coronavirus issue. And so you have restaurants that are open and that are doing takeout and delivery, and some of them are shocked at how well they're doing. You have other ones that are closed, but they're continuing to use social media to get their brand out there and communicate a message because they're planning on reopening and they want to continue to engage with their customers and people who follow them. 
What would you say are some of the most important factors that, that, that these businesses should use? We can focus on both of them together if you want to bifurcate it. What would you say are some of the best ways to use social media to get a message out about a, a brand? In this case, we're talking about restaurants or bars, but I think it would apply to any brand, particularly in this moment in time. What would you say are some of the best strategies, Matt? Yeah, I mean, so, social media is such a powerful tool and, and a, such a powerful opportunity for all brands. And there's probably a lot of strategies to pursue across social media. But let me start by just saying that in, in a different time, you know, 5, 10, 20 years ago, when social media was unavailable, you know, the marketing you would do is buying an ad in a newspaper, putting a commercial on TV, you know, mainstream or old line media was expensive. And, you know, it was, it was hard to do. You had to create, you know, assets, create you know, the creative to run on these things. And that was costly. So we had all these barriers that social media has completely wiped away. So now available to all companies and all marketers, big and small, is the opportunity to go out in social media and talk with your customers, build a conversation with them. And it doesn't cost anything. That's what social media represents is just the opportunity to get your your message out there at a very low cost. Now, you know, it, it, the strategy has to start with, you know, a first step, whether it's launching a Facebook page, whether it's, you know, starting to post and, you know, starting to push messages out there and build an audience, get likes, build that engagement, it's called. So there's an investment there, but it's, it's not a costly one. And it has a huge return on investment because all of a sudden now as you're building that audience, you're talking to them in real time so that people understand what you're pushing, what you're selling. You know, you're, you're able to, you know, target right down to, you know, that, that individual, which is incredibly powerful. So social media just opens up the communication and marketing that never existed before. And yes, now that we sit in this pandemic and people don't have the options and are not out and about, they're really sitting and, and on their social media for hours at a time and they're receptive to your messages. So it's, uh, it's an incredible time to leverage this new medium called social media. No, absolutely. And I, and I, I would add just from using it myself, and this is from the perspective of someone who's not you know, in digital media, but somebody who's using these tools to to generate awareness about what I'm doing and also foster and strengthen engagement with uh, my customers. The nice thing about social media is even when you do make the investment in Google ads or Facebook ads or, or whatever you choose to do, it's so targeted that as you say, the return on that investment is really great because you're not just doing sort of a massive scattershot approach. And I think even for myself, I'm, I'm always pleasantly surprised on the amount of investment to get the level of impact, you know, that I want. And while I think that, you know, for those restaurants that are closed, it's probably not a time where it makes sense for a variety of reasons to make that financial investment. You can certainly use social media can, to continue to post pictures or make 
offerings to the community that keep you engaged. But for people who are finding success in their restaurant and take uh, delivery and takeout options, particularly those who had never really been known to make those offerings before, I really think it's a worthwhile investment to look into because um, it's very targeted and you get the word out. And I agree with you. You know, something I was also thinking of, Matt, what you said before, because I, I have a huge respect for the skill of sales. And I think it's probably the most vital business skill there is. One of the challenges that everybody faces when they start a new endeavor, or even when they're in an existing endeavor, and they want to pivot within that to do something different, is going out and selling. But a big part of selling is how you navigate the initial objection or even rejection. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I know you're a high-level salesperson. I would be curious to know what the psychology is. How did you, when you were going out in BBE and and leveraging sales to, to build the revenue to keep that company going and then build it to the level that it did. How did you internally deal with what other people and perhaps even you perceived as setbacks or objections or rejections in terms of how it impacted you and how you used it or didn't use it, but how you reacted to it to continue moving forward in the overall goals that you had? No, thank you, Stephen. It's, it's, a, it's a great one. And, you know, I think it starts with, you know, you, you have to first believe in what you're selling uh, yourself and and it it really has to it has to be something you believe as a mission you go out and be prepared for that rejection it's never easy even when you are prepared for the rejection it's it's never easy but you have to sort of steal yourself to it and you know really just try to go out there as far and wide as you can spread your net and 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 when you do get that yes it just it's it's an awesome feeling as you know and and so i think it really starts inside you know you have to you know know what it is you're selling up and back and forward and you know and and, and through and you have to go out with that mission so that, uh, you know, you, you, you keep bouncing. You have to bounce back. You know, sometimes if you're having a bad day and you get rejected and you're, you're just, uh, it just takes the wind out of you, then shut it down and come back the next day. So you have to continue to, put, you know, put, push forward. You have to, you know, know when to go easy on yourself. But be prepared for that rejection and double down and go out and, 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 and drive it forward. So it's, it's not easy. It's probably easier to say it than to do it. But that's, you know, the, I, I remember the early days of online video when half the times I would go make a presentation and the video didn't work. I, I would be dead on arrival. I would be presenting and I'd show in how, you know, streaming video was so terrific and it just wouldn't work. It was so hard and there was so much rejection. And now, 20 years later, you know, a lot of those folks that remember, you know, when I was in there talking about this next new thing say, Matt, wow, you were right. You know, I remember when you came in and you told me it was going to be this way and here we are. So you really have to believe in it. You have to go out there a thousand percent, push, you know, be prepared to get knocked down, be easy on yourself so that when you're having that bad day, shut it down, come back the next day and, and, uh, and play that over again. 
That's such powerful advice and such inspiring advice because it's true because one of the subjects that I've explored in other podcasts, which is universal to business and to life, is really mental attitude and 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 using the mind. And um, something you said there, which is really important, is especially in times like these where there's so much uncertainty, I think it's really important that people don't add on to that by beating themselves up and understanding that there are going to be times when you're just going to, you know, maybe have a bad day or a bad afternoon and don't build that into an overall referendum on yourself. Understand that it's a long game. It's part of a process. And one of the things that I think about a lot, Matt, I'd be curious to know your thoughts is as I've gone on in business and in life in general, but particularly in business, when I'm doing something that's important, my overall objective is to be as impactful as possible. And sometimes you have to take a step back and say, you know what, for whatever reason, I'm not in the best state right now to be as impactful as possible. So I'm going to put this off for a couple of hours or maybe tomorrow. It's not about procrastinating. It's being self-aware and understanding that, hey, this is a situation where I have one or two shots to really make an impact. If I'm not 100% geared up and there's no immediate time constraint to do it, I say give yourself that opportunity to take a step back and go back at it, you know, when you can do that. But it requires a, a level of self-awareness, which I, I think is very important in, in business in general. What would you, would you agree with that? Uh, emphatically, yeah. I mean, that's, that's precisely it. And I guess the one last piece I would say is, but it is important to always show up. So mm-hmm. you might want to put you might want to put it off and you know come back when you're 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 better prepared, but it's so important to show up to make sure that you don't drop something and and don't go back to it. The idea of persistence is so important, so powerful that you're you know you're making sure that you're there, you're reliable when somebody does come around when they do see what you're selling is is what they need you want to be there you want to be sure you want to show up so that's no, absolutely the thing you're 100 right i mean that's that's the other side of the coin which is you really can't be about your feelings and you can't be about what you would like to be optimal you have to create the right state of mind when it's game time so i think i think what you said is great and i think that's a the other side of the coin and maybe the more important side of the coin would you say, because I, I know for myself, you know, having started, you know, businesses and, and doing anything, persistence is so important. And I'd love to know, your, for me, persistence is continuing to give a max effort and continuing to put yourself out there, even when there's no cognizable recognition of success anywhere around you. In other words, it's the, the only thing that's keeping you going to make that next presentation, to make that next phone call, to to solve that problem again, is just your will to do it. And I'd love to know your thoughts on persistence and how important an attribute you think that is in the overall spectrum of of attributes and and philosophies that are required to succeed in business. I'm going to throw another quick anecdote. My closest friend in the industry is a gentleman named Carl Fremont. He, uh, he's actually in our area here in Northern Jersey. And he, he was running one of the big digital agencies called Digitas at the time. When I was out there, early BBE years, you know, really talking about 
online video. And he was so busy uh, running his agency and managing his accounts. I know it included American Express and Kraft and some other big brands that I would, I would send my email or make a call and it would go unreturned. And so this went on for, I'm going to say, more than a year. And I would continue to persist and put that next call or that next email. And I didn't just call an email. I would send an update. Oh, online video is growing this many people now. You know, these new sites are just coming on board. You know, this is uh, some new content that's been created. You know, streaming video is getting better and more people are, are, are using it. So I would constantly send an email update. I would call him. And for over a year, I never heard from him. And finally, I ran into him at an event. I went up and I said, hello. He said, I owe you a call. I said, (laughs) well, you know, I said, I've been trying. You know, I would love to connect with you. Here we are. He goes, call me next week. We're going to sit down. I want to hear it all and how much I appreciate it. This guy became my biggest client, one of my closest friends in the industry. And it was all because I persisted. I, even though I never heard back from him, he became one of my biggest and best customers and closest friends. And it was all because I persisted. And he thanked me for that persistence. Such a great story for sales and life in general because it wasn't the running into him in an event that was the dispositive event. It was the countless calls that went on during that year when there was no reason to believe that the next call would have any greater impact than the ones before it. That is a great story, Matt, and that's a great example of persistence. And, um, you know, it's tough, but it's the essential category because I think in any journey, it almost seems like the the sweeter the outcome, the tougher the price you have to pay somewhere along in that journey. You know, I would say for me, you know, when we moved our business, when we moved Wolco anyway from New York to to Jersey City and everything went wrong, I thought, in the move and we were just working 24 hours a day and literally every single thing seemed to go wrong one after the other. I was I was out on the truck with my business partner. He was driving a truck. I was a helper with him because a couple of drivers in truck, and we were just doing everything to get out there. And it went on for days, but eventually it settled down. And um, you know, you look back at those times, and they do fill you with a sense of of pride and a sense of self awareness. And I think a lot of people are gonna are facing that now. You know, this is a time where I think people have to hang tough and keep putting stuff out there and doing content and trying things. Even though the the exogenous environment is so like tough, you just got to persist because the work you put in now can bear enormous fruit in three months, six months, whenever. But it's not going to bear that fruit if you don't put in the grind now, you know? Right, right. And it might be work that you put in that you don't get any response from or response to. And you have to remind yourself that this is, this is what needs to be done to come out of this stronger. So it, it requires persistence and, you know, you're, you might not get that feedback, but you have to continue to push forward. Absolutely. When I look at the, the digital media landscape, and, and I know you're involved and you've been involved with each iteration as it's going, just to sort of analogize that to any other business, the restaurant space, mm-hmm. 
as you're operating in the business, you're obviously someone who's very in tune with what's going on around you because you're sensing these opportunities as they, they go along. Is that something that comes from just being immersed in what you're doing and being attentive? Or do you carve out a certain amount of time every week to devote to seeing what's going on? What's that process like? Because you know, to, to start and, and exit one business is tremendous. You've done it now twice and you're in your third. So I'm wondering what that process is like for you, you know, in terms of how you identify these next opportunities and where that sort of decision comes from on your end. We say, okay, I see this happening. I'm going to jump on this now. Great. I, I love this question. I, I, you know, to make the analogy to, you know, the restaurant business, it, it's definitely very different, obviously, digital media versus the food business. You know, for, in the digital media business, change is so constant that you have to be really aware and attuned to all the change that's going going on around you, constantly reading the newsletters, attending the events, talking to people. So it's become, uh, you know, after TV, I left TV to get into this, it was a sea, it was a real sea change. So I had to really stay close and the, you know, communicating with people and trying to keep an open mind. With the restaurant business, there might be less change. I'm, I'm going to suggest there's still a ton of change. And obviously what we're going through right now is, is bringing a lot of that on. But I, I would say it's, it's important to still, re, you know, try to be aware. And whether it's at, you know, certain times when demand is low or when you're, you're having a little bit of a, uh, a break in the action to make those assessments, to see how different companies and different vendors are, are working. And you have to stay attuned to all that. For me, when, after I left TV, I recognized that this was the case with digital media and that it, there was changing going on all around me. It was dizzying, but I would push myself so to learn everything about online video. And then I would push myself to learn everything there is about mobile video. And then I pushed myself to learn what blockchain can do for the business. So I've always pushed myself. I've always tried to stay self-aware. And I would say to my friends in, in the food and restaurant industry, you have to do the same. You really need to be attuned to how these changes are happening and where you can find opportunities out of that change. I think that's a great point. I, I think it's well said, and I think it goes for a lot of businesses, and certainly within the restaurant space, to sort of piggyback on what you're saying. I know a lot of restaurants now that are doing takeout and delivery are shocked by two things. One, the amount of volume that they're getting. And two, a lot of restaurants are now coming up with certain dishes, or they're doing things like family-style meals. They're identifying things that they probably would have never thought of before, but out of necessity, they've identified them. And I've also seen over the years people who, as you say, who are attentive, they find ways to be transformative, either within the genre of cuisine that they're operating within or getting into some wholly different type of cuisine, but leveraging some other aspect of the restaurant experience. So I think that what you're talking about in terms of just being aware, being attentive, seeing what's going on in the market, no matter how successful you are, is well worth the time and an important part of it. 
something I'm getting from your answers, Matt, and I, I want to just ask you about is this notion of work and hard work because people nowadays, I think it's very common for people to really, at least in certain circles, celebrate grinding and, and hard work and that whole aspect of things. Because I think when people look at successful entrepreneurs and businesses and even in social media, it's very easy for people to sort of highlight those aspects that are glamorous about being a boss or being successful or whatever. What's not highlighted that much, although it's getting highlighted more and more by quality people, is the grind and the work. How important is work ethic? And I know it might seem like a sort of a simple or stupid question, but I think it's an important one, again, for people to really get. You know, the the love of the work, the love of the grind, how important has that been in your success, your work ethic, your willingness to push, those things that you were sort of describing before? I think it's everything. I, I teach my kids the value of hard work. I also don't think it needs to be hard. If you love what you're doing, if you're uh, invested in what you're doing, and you you really lean in and you learn about everything, what you're doing, then it, it actually should be enjoyable. But nonetheless, the work and, and, and leaning in and doing the ex, going the extra mile is everything. And customers, your customers will recognize that. And it, it might just be because of your hard work that they come back. You know, a, a customer might forgive if, you know, there's some kind of flaw in the product or if they like a different product better than yours, uh, they'll still come back to you because they'll recognize how hard you're working for them, you know, especially in service businesses. And, you know, a lot of restaurants, you'll, you'll go to a restaurant if they make you feel good when you walk in, if the service is excellent and, you know, you, you know what they like and, and, and you're oh, attentive absolutely. to, you know, so, so I, hard work is everything. Well, I mean, just two quick comments on what you said. The first is, and I've said this in earlier podcasts and elsewhere, and it's true. If you go to a restaurant and you have a phenomenal meal, but you're not treated properly, whatever that means to you, or you feel you were mistreated by the host, the waiter, you have a bad experience in some aspect of service, there's a very high degree of probability you won't go back. Conversely, if you are treated so well by everybody that you're engaging in, with that, you know, we're talking about restaurants, hotels, but in any service industry, as you say, and you really have a phenomenal feeling based upon those interactions, even if the meal is not the best, you will feel comfortable enough to share whatever your concerns are and you'll be likely to go back. So I agree with what you're saying about hard work there. Something else you said, which I just wanted to share with people, and I think you'll really appreciate it. You know, fortunately, this home delivery thing has really taken off rather quickly. But I remember the first night that we did it, there were four orders. And four orders relative to what we would do at Woolco during normal times of sales and Holland and York, a food business we have, would be nothing. But Matt, the level of excitement I felt for those four orders was equivalent to anything else because on one level, it's, it's part of the game of business. You know what I'm saying? And it was almost like reliving that again. Absolutely. You pivoted and, and you were successful pivoting and you want to make sure that they had a great experience when you, when you made that pivot. So there's no question. And that's, that's hard work, but that's also embracing the change 
and being excited to ride the learning curve, which makes it, you know, just brings a lot more enjoyment into your work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's so important for people that are, you know, thinking of starting out and opening a, a business, whatever it is, it's going to make the journey enjoyable. And it's not going to feel like work if you love it. And I think a big part of it is also as you grow and you, you build a great team of people that you enjoy working with. That's so important. You know, I could talk to you for hours, Matt, and fortunately I know you, so I always have an opportunity to speak with you at a basketball game where we're at for our kids or something. But I'd like to, to sort of wind this down with a question that I think would be really helpful for people right now that are dealing with this, which is, how would you suggest, because again, you've been on this journey in, in the businesses you've created and just being in sales and, and what you've done in your career. What would you say to somebody right now who's feeling anxious? They're, they're in their business. They're grinding. There's so much uncertainty. They're trying to keep an eye towards the future. What would be some inspiring words or just some, some actionable thoughts that you could give people that would, be, that would be of value to them during this time? I would first say it's understandable. And, you know, if you weren't feeling that way, you're, you're not a human being. So first, you know, give yourself a break and cut yourself some slack and then take a step forward. We all have to keep moving. You know, we're as human beings and we have those feelings. We also have to continue to push and move forward and recognize what you do have control over. You know, we, we certainly don't have a lot of control over the things that are going on around us outside, but we do have control over what we do here inside. And so whatever it is you do, take that next step, put the work in, try to move forward, find and connect with others who are all feeling the same way. And let's pull together and keep moving. So I, I would say, you know, in crisis is opportunity, but you're not going to find that opportunity unless you take those steps and you put it in the work. And that's what uh, I, I would say. And that's what I convey to, to my team members who are all feeling the very same way. So we're, we're in a, a time, a moment in time, and we're all feeling those feelings, but it's so important that we pull together and move forward and keep building. That's such a powerful and, and such an impactful way of, of saying that and really, really valuable. And I think that that was really great, Matt. I, I really, re that really resonated with me just even on a daily basis, regardless of what's going on, even through something extreme as a pandemic or not extreme, it's always important to one, not be hard on yourself, as you say, and two, focus on those things you can control. I mean, I think one of the lessons we've learned from this is even when we have the illusion that we're in control of so much, we now are seeing that there's a lot of things that are not in our control. And when you dial in on that, what you can do, it sort of removes a lot of the anxiety. You get an opportunity to take back a little of control by pushing on those attributes that you have. And you got to be kind to yourself and connecting with other people. Such a great message. Matt, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I, I think for people listening, I think this is an episode you may want to listen to again and really think about because 
not only are the lessons that Matt shared with us and, and the insights valuable to just running your business, scaling your business, they're valuable for navigating what we're going through now. And I, I think they're also valuable just going through life. I, I really appreciated what you had to say, Matt. Let me ask you, Matt, real quick, for people that want to connect with you, do you have a, a we want to share with us either a website or Instagram handles or, or any ways if people that are guests, they want to shoot you a DM? Because I have a feeling a lot of people who listen to this are going to be very much impacted by what you had to say. And if people just want to follow you or reach out to you, are there ways that people can sort of keep track of what you're doing? Sure, sure. I'm, I'm on just about every social media there is. My company is called Blockboard, and it's blockboard.co, not .com. So it's blockboard.co. And I'm on LinkedIn, Matt Wasserloff. You know, sometimes we have guests that are really phenomenal purveyors of information, and we've had people from different spheres of business. But then I think we, I think you're a guest, Matt, that I really think people are going to connect with. And uh, I, I think they're going to want to follow what you're doing, even whether it's in the restaurant business or not, because the, the messages that you're sharing, the insights you're sharing, and the way you've done it is really powerful. Thanks. And Steve. I, 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 I think it's it. tremendous value. I'm, really glad, I'm glad we, we were able to connect and um, I'm excited to you know continue our relationship and see you, see you soon. Hopefully we get through awesome, this. Awesome, Matt. Well, Matt, <laughs> thank you again. It was Matt Wasserloff. And Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And likewise, I look forward to seeing you soon. And hopefully we can even get out there and watch the Yankees sooner rather than later, <laughs> which would be nice, right? Thanks, Stephen. Great you talk. You got it, Matt. You. Thank you. Well, everybody, that was a really enjoyable, powerful, inspiring, and informative interview with Matt Wasserloff. I really enjoyed that, and it was very thought-provoking. And so today I want to recommend a book that is, to me anyway, a very humorous book, but also a very thought-provoking book. It's not tied into any of the subjects that Matt and I talked about today, but it's an author who I've read all of his writings, and I think his writings are really... Pretty much all of them are gems. And the one book I'm going to recommend today is called Herzog by Saul Bellow. And it's a novel. It's a work of fiction. But I think in these times, everybody could use a break. And I think it's a book that you'll enjoy, and it'll make you laugh, hopefully, and it'll make you think and and maybe even appreciate things. So I just wanted to do something on a more sort of human level, not so business-oriented, you know, after that conversation with Matt. So I want to thank everybody for listening can reach out to me at steven at wilcofoods.com or you can DM me at our IG account at wilcofoods and appreciate everybody listening. Stay safe and I look forward to uh, speaking with you soon. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table fed by Wolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net. Yeah.